0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things that you can buy that will actually help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This reason is why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that tethered saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current core setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, and along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to TetheredNation.com. If you're like me, you spend a lot of time poring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times are to hunt. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from Military Combat Intelligence Experience tailored for hunters, and stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've had an opportunity to use the desktop version of Spartan Forge last year and recently the beta version of the iOS app, and it has replaced all of my other mapping tools. Visit spartanforge.ai and sign up today to get your place in line as the fully available mobile app is coming soon. This podcast is brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. Skull Brew Coffee roasts premium single origin coffee guaranteed to deliver the freshest coffee directly to your doorstep. The kicker they're 2% for conservation certified and donate 10% of their proceeds back to organizations who support the interests of our hunting community. So go to skullbrewcoffee.com and pick up one of their three killer roasts and fuel your hunt and fill more tags with Skull Brew Coffee. Welcome to the Truths from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number two hundred fifty-five. Today, we're rolling into another listener Q and A session with my good buddy Greg Litzinger. So, stay tuned. All right, all right all right what is up everyone happy wednesday to you hope you are doing well hope you are feeling fine as we're rolling into another week in november here actually as you're listening to this i'm actually recording this all in advance as a good podcast host to try to make sure that you guys have an episode while i am in kansas hunting so while you're listening to this i'm probably up at zero dark thirty. Thirty, yeah that's a word zero dark 30 Freezing my uh, cojones off somewhere in Kansas, chasing chasing tails. But certainly wanted to make sure that you guys had a podcast this week. And I'm probably going to put out a couple. You might have even heard a few prior to this from Kansas. The goal will be to try to get a couple out uh, while we're. Uh, while we're in Kansas for a couple of weeks to keep you guys apprised as to what is going on, but have a cool session for you guys today. Won't belabor this up front. We'll just kind of get right to it. Do have a couple things to pass along to you guys though. Um, my buddies, uh, my buddy Cameron over at hunting gear deals. Uh, he's got some things going on as we head into the holiday season. Um, hunting gear deals is really just, it's a, it, it, what he does is try to help the community hunting community, find the best deals possible on hunting gear from across the web. So each day, essentially he goes through the entire website, All the websites that might be an over an exaggeration, but what he does do is scour the entire web for deals, sales, coupons related to hunting gear to help you save money and time on finding your next purchase. The best way to make sure to never miss a deal is to subscribe to hunting gear deals, a daily email list, you know, so each day, the most recent deals he'll email those out to everyone that's on this email list. That way you're not having to kind of go through and, and, and check to find things and you hit the website and everything will be there. There'll be links that are driving you to the website uh, to take advantage of those deals. Surprisingly enough though, hunting gear deals doesn't actually sell the gear you find on huntinggeardeals.com. They just simply provide you the link where the best deals can be found and uh, they do not exclude any bl- brands or pl- play favorites. So if they find a deal, they're going to pass it along. They just simply want to help you, Stretch your hunting uh, gear budget each and every season. So, if saving money and getting great deals wasn't quite enough, Hunting Gear Deals is your number one resource during Black Friday and Cyber Monday for hunting related deals across the web. During these special sales events, Hunting Gear Deals uh, compiles a huge list of hunting related content or hunting related deals all in one place. You can go to the website huntinggeardeals.com and go to the, I believe it's the sales tab, if I'm not mistaken. Um, or it might even be holiday tab. I'll have to, you have to go check it out. Um, but there you will find all the information related to black Friday, cyber Monday, all the, all the deals that are going on for that. So if you're a fan or if you're a gear nerd or a fanatic like me, then be sure to check out the extensive collection of unbiased and on, honest gear reviews submitted by hunters from across the country, just like you, if you're interested doing gear reviews. Send a email an email over to Cameron at Cameron C A M R O N dot at gmail.com for more information on how you can be part of the team and provide your own gear review. So with that, we're gonna go ahead and get jumped into today's podcast. Have my good buddy Greg Litzinger on. This is the marathon session from this summer, the final episode of the listener QA. It only took us, well, we did that in August. So, you know, September, October. Part of August. It only took us like two and a half months to get through all the to get all the episodes launched, but but launched, but we did it before the new year, so we can hang our hat on that. So with that, we're gonna go ahead and jump into today's podcast. Hope you guys dig it. Hope you guys are having a great rut. Hope you guys are filling tags. If not, hope you're at least having some fun and seeing some action. We will be back in studio, aka my house, my home office doing podcast as usual here in the next few weeks. And so until next time, I want to thank you all for listening. This one, I think we've already covered because it's more about grace. We've covered that pretty thoroughly. Um, this one is you're better suited to answer this one. How close are you setting up on a buck bed? Like this person's just in the curious. Morning? Uh, either way
2: in the morning. I in, know you
1: like mornings more than anything.
2: Yeah. Mornings in the mountains and, I'm shooting, setting up so I can shoot into the bed, 30 yards, 20 yards. Um,
1: You're literally setting up that close. Yeah. Wow.
2: That's some cojones. And it works.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I does not It doesn't
2: do work it. every time, but when it does work, it's like, bingo. And I have more success doing that than failures doing that. Really? Yeah. So... Take that with a grain of salt, everybody. That's just something that works for me. How do you
1: know when they're going to use the bed, though? Because they could be bedding in any one of those beds. Just,
2: you go to the mountains. I'm there for four days. I'm hunting four different beds. And uh, the wind, it's all wind-based. You know, moon-based mm-hmm. is good. You know, If I'm getting that aggressive on beds, it's the moon needs to be perfect.
1: So talk talk to me about the moon, because actually someone had a question in here. Yeah, says, the moon overhead. Yes yeah, or no. Or- yeah,
2: the overhead underfoot um, needs to be within... You know, like an hour of first light, last light. But for me, it'd be first light in the morning. And I'm beating the deer there, you know, and usually, you know, be a, a ridge, say, to be two beds in that point. Um, One, you know, hunt, one bed, hunt mm-hmm. the next, you know, next day. And, you know, hmm. it's, it's all in because I'm driving three hours, you right. know, hiking, you know, 45 minutes to an hour in. Like, I'm, I got to get super aggressive or I'm like, hey, look, there's a big buck. walking away over there. Right. Thanks. So
1: just so people out there listening kind of get it. like, So when you say overhead, underfoot, what do you mean by that?
2: The moon, I guess, when the moon's directly overhead or directly underfoot, you know, on the other side of the earth, I guess. Got it. It needs to be within an hour plus or minus of first light for that day, particular day. Okay. You know, you know get super aggressive. You can say two hours. Right. But all my mountain bucks have, that I've shot directly you know, coming in the bed or over bed has been on a overhead or underfoot with an hour and so a half. So
1: overhead means that they have more light in the sky from the moon, hence they are getting back to the bed later, giving yes. you an opportunity to yes. slip in before yes. them in the yes. morning if it's underfoot.
2: It's the same thing. Yeah. You know,
1: They're leaving the bed later,
2: Yeah,
1: right? They'd be leaving the bed later.
2: Yeah, so... It's ki- getting dark I, yeah I've killed, I've killed bucks, you know underfoot overhead you know overhead's a little bit better on buck sightings, mm-hmm. uh, but I think I think you can kill in either I've killed on either one yeah but it's just for me driving that far and that just comes with I mean hours upon hour like, I don't spend that much time in the mountains anymore you know I would literally spend hours I'd drive up there for four straight weeks, weekends in a row, and just sun up sundown burn sleep in my truck till the next day. And just boot leather. Just know that was like the back of my hand. Right. You know, and that was before, you know, all this stuff come into play. You know, maps, I'd, yeah. Y- yeah, I a compass at the top of a map and then I got a crappy ass E <laughs> green screen E Trex, just so I could literally get to the spot. And then right. you know, once all these things sort to come out it you can understand it a little bit better more. Like, right. you, know, you can kinda under you have all that stuff on your to your fingertips. Yeah. But in the evening, closest I've set up and almost killed was maybe sixty yards. Yeah, and that was like really pushing it. You know, what I mean mm-hmm. that's like getting super like, and that was like not a good moon day or anything. That was like I got a I got a night to hunt, right? Because and I you're... know he's in the area. It's like I'm going, and it's like the best bet. You know, it's like yeah. there's a couple other ones. This is the best bedding that mature buck, he's going to get this type of bedding. So I'm going all in right. and he got up and just, I just ran out of daylight, you know?
1: Yeah. And there's one bed for sure. I know that I'm hunting this year that we found mm. on that piece where it's going to be a morning hunt, yeah. easy access
2: in. And it's with the morning. It's, it's a lot of people like even, when are my you waiting can't,
1: for weather too? Or is it, is the moon more I,
2: important? All three are super important, you know, time of year, weather, moon. Like if you get all three, it's, um it's, I mean, I'll. Is this, s-
1: now this is an October hunt. Yeah,
2: yeah. October twentieth region range. You know, okay. Eighteenth, nineteenth, 21st. You know, that's before they start moving. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're they're still coming back to their October beds. You right. know, I guess. But they
1: are spending more time Looking. up moving. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like because they they ramp up yeah. their movement yeah. time basically and, starting in August.
2: Yeah, and hunting uh, mountains over the beds only a handful of times. You know, I kind of one hand. A buck beat me to that bed. They went there before dark, you know, before <laughs> light. In the dark, you get in the in the salt marsh, wreath, and swamp a lot more than you do in the mountains. I I don't probably because they guards down a little bit more in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know why. I don't you know I, I don't think they guard me down a little bit more, but right. just, or just something way it's, it, yeah, yeah it's just the way it works yeah. out. But even here in in the big woods, the cameras are run near bedding areas. 6.45, 7 o'clock, 7.15, like these bucks are cruising in. Like, that's, you know, it's their primary bed. Like, they're safe coming in almost any time of the day. Like, I'll come in at 7.30. I know this bed has never caused me a problem. do 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 do, do. You know, they can right. take their time getting in and feed their way in. Satellite bed, something they, that's not their primary bed. I think they'll be a little more cautious coming in. Always J-hook downwind. I mean, I've killed buck coming into a bed not even coming down when he's just coming into his bed, like daylight. we like, I need to get in this bed before I get killed. So he came in, got killed. <laughs> yeah. <Anyway>. basically. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he came in and was like, all right, but not downwind, not nothing. He, that's when you know, like you're in his bed. Like that's his numero uno bed. Yeah. Hmm. And that's a little, a lot of scouting and a little bit of luck. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hunting that one particular bed this year. Cause I don't have a lot of beds to hunt necessarily. Um, in this one, you know, it was clear though it's buck yep. bed solo rub in it, you know? And so rubs coming out of it yep. that we found close to a scrape, yep. you know? So that's probably interesting when you, you talk about the time frame. like that would be about the time frame. that would make sense would be what you're talking about, because I don't know that he's laying there all October I'm gonna make a guess and say he's probably moving to that once that's once the scrape starts Mm. to work because he wants to know what's happening in that area. You know, would be my guess. So, all right. So this one's actually from our buddy Tim Bunau. Son of a. He's gonna do us dirty here too. You ready? He says both of you recently had botched shots. Thanks, Tim. (laughs) On a good buck, he said. So did I. To try to lessen the pain a little bit, like you know, don't try to. Don't try to butter us up <laughs> now with your woe woe is me stories, Tim. Um what helped get over it?
2: Just shit goes offline. Yeah. Let it go. Yeah. You can't dwell on the past. It sucks. I hate losing deer. Like I'll I'll be in a little depressive state for twenty-four or thirty-six hours. Mm-hmm. And you pretty much just gotta get back on the horse, man. Yeah. You know, dwelling on what you could have done to something that has already passed and you've gone through every rollercoaster emotion is, is pointless. Yep. It's wasted energy and emotion because yep. now you're just going to be thinking about like, uh oh, oh, I should have did this. I should just, well, I should have did a lot of things. You know, I should have went to college. I should have went, uh, I should have been a deer biologist and there's just many should have, would have, could have, right. You know, but for me, like this year, I had like, I bounced back, you know, from hitting that one and losing it to a few days later, like killing and I, I think I talked uh, about this in another podcast. Uh, somebody was asking, how did you just bounce back? And I was like, well, years of shooting, competing, you, you know, mm-hmm. like dwelling on, you know, shooting a five isn't going to help you win the tournament. That, that yeah. hour is long gone. Like it's in the past, never to see again. You know, like the Lion King, he bops him on the head, you know. It's right. Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's the same mentality. Like you can't let it bother you. You know you 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 mess up in life, you do all want and you move on yeah. you know, and that's hard for a lot of people because you're you're dealing with the the life of an animal mm-hmm. you know it's not like I miss my three d target or I don't get a podium. The actions are still the same, but the emotions you know are a little bit different mm-hmm. but that deer is tough to say will not go to waste, mm-hmm. you know that deer will be completely consumed by everything in the woods, you know, nothing in nature goes to waste. You know, that deer that sucks is going to die painful. I mean, it's awful. I hate that. That's why I shoot so much. That's why I train and do all that stuff. But other animals will feed on that deer, Mm -hmm. you know, and and it does, it sounds shallow saying that, but yeah, nothing goes to waste. Yeah. So you can dwell on it. Like I I didn't find him. I'm going to beat myself up for, you know, five days and the rest of my season. Yeah. Yeah. Shit happens, man. Yeah,
1: I mean, the reality is that he didn't suffer any, any less than he would have if coyotes caught him at some point and ate him alive. Yeah, That's the reality of yes. it, you know. Um,
2: Let's get back on the horse. I know when I shot my buck, you know, the mindset, as soon as I see him, I grab the bow. I was like, you're fucking dead. Yeah. And I don't care where you go, I'm killing you. You go 40 yards that way, and if I can squeeze an arrow through a three-inch opening, that arrow is going through that three-inch opening. That's like, there's this this how this works, you know. So you might as well sit still and get some, you know. (laughs) Just sit still and take your medicine. (laughs) The,
1: uh, yeah, for me, I think, um, yeah, I was bummed out. Of course, I think same thing. You know, you you're you're, you're bummed about it. Um, I think the way you bounce back from it is that you you did everything that you could, you know, from preparation before the season, your shooting, and like. I didn't leave any stone unturned. Like I I was, my shot was good. In in my instance, my shot was good. I clipped a branch that I couldn't see until we watched the film back. And the branch was so small with the shadows and stuff like that. I could have shot that shot a hundred times. I would have never saw it probably. You know.
2: And you would have missed it. Ninety nine percent. Ninety nine percent of the time, I probably wouldn't even hit the branch. You know
1: what I mean? When I say a branch, I'm overstating. It was a freaking twig sticking off the side of the tree. Um, and if you do this long enough, it happens. If, if it hasn't happened to you, then you haven't been doing yeah. it long enough is, is the other thing. So, and the other part of it too, is I had, I have really good hunting buddies, you know? Um, I think a lot of people, it bothers them more than it should because they feel like social media suggests that it should bother you more. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I think part of it is, is that when I'm hunting, I'm a, I try to think about, Myself, and I don't want people to take this the wrong way. I try to think of myself whenever I'm out there, like in terms of a predator, like Mm -hmm. my job is to kill, Mm -hmm. like no different than a coyote or a mountain lion or whatever. My a one number job when I'm out there is like, yeah, I'm trying to have a great experience. There's like some of those intrinsic things that you're trying to experience as a human, but like I'm there to kill, you know, and I'm I'm a predator and a predator doesn't worry about if he gets it or or it misses, Mm -hmm. it just goes on to the next target, you know? And so when you're in their world, I try to just think about it in the sense of me being fully in their world, not just partially in their world, you know? And so I just try to adopt the mindset of I'm going to kill. And if it happens, awesome. It happens. If I miss or something bad happens, I move on to the next target. doesn't Mm. mean I don't like it. doesn't mean that I'm not disappointed or if you're flanked about it.
2: Numerous times a year, year in year out. All right, that's a different story. That's a problem. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that buck. I think that's probably the first year or first buck I lost in a, maybe ten years. Or so. I forget how long, but probably looking back, it's probably like a ten years. Like that's a long stretch not to lose a buck.
1: Yeah, and you know, knock on wood, that was the first. Yep. for me. You know? you know,
2: and I've lost I think two does in that time frame. And losing a doe or buck, it don't matter to me. Doesn't matter. No. It sucks either way. I'm yeah. out there at two o'clock in the morning, missing work the next day, and I'm. That's just the way it goes. Yeah, you exhaust all possibilities.
1: You know? Like you do all the shooting you can do. Whenever the bad shot happens or whatever, it's like you spend the time to 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 look. And you yeah. overturn. Like in my case, it's like I went and got. I went and got private landowners to give yeah. me permission to walk on their property to look for this deer, and we we went everywhere that that deer could have possibly went. I had squat for blood yeah. to start with. It just came up snake yeah. eyes, you know. Yeah, what it's
2: I mean? so to get back on the horse and start yeah. killing some shit in Montana. Yeah, stop belly aching. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Hopefully we'll be out to see you soon, Tim,
2: buddy. Tim, it's been three years. I thought I thought you said anybody can kill an elk in three years. Right. I
1: gotta send you a picture of the giant white tail that my buddy sent me from Montana. Just FYI. Yeah. So just know that it's coming. <laughs> um all right. On to the next question here. I think we're getting uh down to the nitty nitty gritty here.
2: Um
1: This person writes, uh, e- uh, I'm sorry, e-scouting approach specifically for mature bucks. So is there anything you're looking for when you're e-scouting that would be specific to mature bucks?
2: For me, it's, you know, we talked about this numerous times, is edge, yep. terrain. Like, I, I, I love hunting terrain. Um, terrain doesn't change. You know, like a deep cut is always going to be a deep cut. You're going to have consistent deer movement at a certain time of the year you know Mm -hmm. Uh, food changes so me trying to find food e-scouting is is difficult you know without actually being there and and scouting Mm -hmm. so for me i look for terrain features Mm -hmm. and or you know topographical features whatever you want to call it and edge cover yeah you know
1: same i i would say for bucks I'm probably more paying attention to terrain first. Yeah. You know, it depends on where I'm hunting. Yeah. Like if I'm in hill country, you know, or mountains or whatever, I'm looking at terrain first. If I'm not, if it's not as much elevation change, I'm probably now starting to look more for edge yeah. and cover and things, of, things of that nature. So as a, as a follow up to that, what is
2: your favorite terrain feature? What time of the year? <laughs>
1: you always ask me yeah. this. <laughs> what time of the year? Well, uh, said, you, you pick
2: when I'm in the mountains. I like deep cuts. Yeah. Uh, and when I say deep cut, I mean like impassable deep cut. Deer rock slides, a giant blowout from you know, a storm, you know, mm-hmm. rain, whatever. The deer physically you can't get across it. Like they forces have to. them to go to the head of it. Yes. Yeah. That is a great place to start scouting. You mm-hmm. it's a, a a lot of them are <laughs> they're Hard to find sometimes because you look on a map and be like ah, that might be a deep cut, and you go there and you're like, That's not a deep cut, no. yeah. You know, on the map, it looks oh, that's like one, ditch. yeah. Basically, <laughs> yeah. on the map, it looks like one, but if they can pass it to me, it's not a deep cut. For mm-hmm. me, a deep cut is it's impassable from bottom to the top, yeah. and they are literally forced to go up and around. Mm-hmm. Um, that's I love finding them, they're not everywhere, you know, they're very difficult to find, mm-hmm. you know, unless you do a lot of uh, walking, you mm-hmm. know, I guess can't really see it on the map. You know, you might see some boulders and some of the Google, mm-hmm. you know, but there a lot of times the foliage of vegetations so much, you know, so extensive, you can't really see what's making that deep cut. Right.
1: Yeah. I think for me, and this used to not be the case until recently, probably in the past two years, um, has been probably benches more than, more than anything. I've just started seeing more and more that um, the mature, the majority of the mature buck kind of movement on camera. Because I've even started placing cameras yep. on them and stuff like that more so. Tops, I'll use. And we're talking about hill country yep. or mountains here. Um, tops, I'll use to get intel because there's usually a lot of scrapes up there. And I can get nighttime intel of who's yep. who's in the neighborhood typically my daylight pictures are going to be on benches and those benches may literally be old logging trails. You know what I mean? I'm just looking for something wide enough, three, three quarters of the way down the, down the mountain or down the Ridge that provides them an easy access to kind of, to move. That's what I'm looking for. And it follows the same rule of thumb that Dan's always talked about too, with that three quarters of the way up. It doesn't always have to be exactly three quarters. It's like where is that thermal advantage yeah. taking place? Right. And if you have a, a bench that's there, like that's that's money, yeah. you know, around a ridge and an elevation line that kind of goes around.
2: One, one thing I avoid, like the plague, now that I've gotten older, is saddles.
1: Oh, um, I was just going to say the same I thing. I yeah.
2: when I first got in hunting the Mountains, same thing 15, 20 years ago saddles, saddles, saddles. That's all you read about. Yep. Yeah. You know, find the saddles. And Wherever you find saddles, I find human presence now. 100. It don't matter where. But it's I'm, the most I'm,
1: obvious. It's the okay. most obvious terrain feature to see on a map. Yeah. Everyone can see the you
2: Yeah, And it's like, fuck, man. there's like so many spots too. I scouted in Kentucky. It's like I'm back there. I'm like, man, this would be great. You get the saddle, and you're like, yeah.
1: Now the one time I will still use a saddle is if the saddle is con- connecting a couple terrain features yeah. together, right? Like if there's. Um, you know, like if there's a saddle, it's connecting two benches, like mm-hmm. two ridge systems together. It's like, well then, okay, because that others might be able to see it. I, I get it, but I'm still going to go at least check that out because it's con- connecting multiple things together. That's going to allow a buck to move from one ridge system to the next ridge system and kind of stay on that yeah. same elevation line that they want to stay on. So that's the one time that I will still, still kind of use it. But for me, it's benches and any, th- and especially and benches that start to tie yeah. things together.
2: And, and I don't know if it's a special term, you know, Everything's a point. It's a, you know arrow kind of coming down. Mm-hmm. Points that are shaped with you know, almost like a square. Mm-hmm. I love those because you have two betting opportunities just, for yeah. a, a shifting wind. Mm-hmm. I always find good buck sign going up one or down one. And they don't necessarily have to be super wide, mm-hmm. you know, only, you know, 50 yards wide, you know. But them small square shaped points, I guess yeah. it's almost like a double point. There's probably a... A term for yeah. it somewhere,
1: yeah. A spur ridge or something. Yeah. I don't know if that's but, even the case. Yeah, I may have just made that up. I don't know. I probably heard <laughs> someone say it somewhere at some point. Um, let's see here. We got bow and arrows set up. What are you rocking?
2: Carbon icon day six uh, arrows. I got a cheap sight. I had, I've had forever. Hamsky rest. Um radical archery designs four blade and or titanium three blade. Hmm. And that's pretty much it. All
1: right. I'm rocking Matthews VXR28. Day six arrows 350 spine, I believe. Um rocking this year Afflictor K2 fixed blade broadheads. Uh HHA site, which I've really which i really liked, the single pin. I think it's called the King pin, I'm not sure. Um, I think it's the one it is. Um, and then a QAD Matthews dropaway integrated rest. Integrated <clears throat> rest, yeah. Um and then a Carter Just Because thumb release. And I think a tight spot three arrow quiver. And that is my that is my rig. I think uh 125s is the K2 fixed
2: blade, uh, afflictor broadhead. So a pretty stout looking.
1: Yeah. They're gnarly, man. I've been shooting them. I just recently started shooting them and they're accurate. I shot them out to 40 plus yards <laughs> yesterday and was dropping them, you know, dropping dimes. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked, uh, to use those this year. Um, mobile saddle tips. Um, do it. <laughs> yeah. Do it. You know you want to, um, I, I, I don't know. I'll put it this way. I mean, I'll just cover like the things that the questions I get most often is usually around shooting out of the saddle, you know, is usually the the main one. Um, and for me, it, it, it comes down to two things. Got to trust it. Yeah. You know, once you use it, there's a ton of good saddle companies out there. You know, I, everyone that listens to this knows that I use, you know, tethered saddles, um, you just, whatever saddle you're using, you just have to trust it or else you're not going to use it effectively. And when you're shooting out of it, you just got to make sure that you load the weight. You know, at least for me, the way I shoot out of it, now Ch- Taylor Chamberlain's a little bit different he and I talked about it in a recent podcast or a previous podcast. He shoots sitting because he can pivot around mm-hmm. everywhere and move very, very little. Yeah. Um, and then he'll use the tree almost as a yeah. brace to a degree with his knee. And that's how he's shooting around it. But he's usually always in a seated position. I'm the opposite. I'm all, I always am standing to shoot and I will use a knee off the tree every now and then. But the most the important Colin Kaepernick, what's it? Yeah, no, hell yeah. no.
2: <laughs>
1: F that guy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um, I call this the Kaepernick.
1: Yeah. I'm going to stop doing that now. <laughs> it's awful. Um, I'll, uh, the biggest thing for me that when I got, like I've shot out of it two times out of my yard. And then the first year, I hunted out of a saddle and I went and killed a deer mm. the next, the next, Day out of it or the next hunt, whatever two days later, whatever it was. First hunt out of the saddle. The biggest thing for me was because I stand to shoot, was making sure that my saddle was loaded and I wasn't trying to stand on it like a tree standing using my legs mm-hmm. necessarily. That I wanted all my weight in my saddle and I'm just basically using my legs as like a fulcrum, mm. as like a pivot point. A fulcrum, Yeah, to move around. Maybe it's not a fulcrum it's probably a pivot point. Um but for me, it's like if you do those things, like you'll be you'll be good. And then just make sure you're getting a saddle that fits you well. So you're not getting hit pinch and all the comfort yeah. things make it, you know, like everyone's tether height, height is a little bit different based on their height or how long their torso is or whatever. It's like get your tether height correct. And then you're probably going to be pretty comfortable yeah. and then get your bridge length. Correct. Yeah. The tips,
2: tips for me would be to spend a lot of time in it. Like before he, the season comes around. Yeah. Um, try different things and everything feels good. For fifteen minutes yeah sit in that mother for an hour yeah and don't change anything just sit and keep tabs of how long your tether is where it's at how much what do you have, and spend an hour and try not to move like you're hunting or even a half hour you don't know, have mm-hmm. time constraints spend the half hour sitting in that thing and the next time you do it, change something change your bridge length if you have that capability see if that increases your comfort you know change mm-hmm. your tether height see if that you know, from where I got mine pretty much mid-season, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago. And it was like, it cost me like three deer, like three- those, no bucks. Mm-hmm. Because I was still trying to figure out what I needed to do. Yeah. <laughs> and once I figure out my, my comfort level, was like, ah, oh, this is good. I'm good, you know. Yeah. And that's pretty much transferred from tethered now to latitude is not much has really changed. Mm-hmm. uh tether wise and bridge wise you know right. it's like I know where I need to be you know and you know the two panel gives me a little bit more flexibility uh, Flexibility in some of the hot spots I would get because mm-hmm. you know I would just I don't really have ass or hips right so yeah. it's like it, it's a comfort thing that takes time so yes. the first three or four sets or even first half dozen sets might be awful Yeah, you need to start making some adjustments you know yeah. because you will find the comfort which could be way off i mean my buddy i let him use my saddle he has his tether up so fucking high and yeah. i'm like but he's like it's comfy for me i'm like all right cool because i look yeah. at him I'm like "What the fuck is that i mean yeah. it's so high and like you fall you, you can like wrap around the tree like twice and still stand on the platform <laughs> but that's where he says he feels comfortable yeah and like he leans all the way back i mean he's like i mean like i'm like goes, this is comfy to me i'm like that just hurts my spine looking at it. Yeah. But i watched him sit motionless, you know, for 30 minutes in my backyard here, just Just saying, and I'm like, I don't even sit motionless for 30 minutes. And the dude's like, I'm about ready to take a nap. I'm like, I'm about ready to go like stretch because my back hurts. Looking at how you're sitting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a ton of good, you know, saddle, you know, options out there now, way more than there was just a handful of years ago. And so there's no shortage of finding different things that might work for you. I don't, Test a bunch of, try a bunch. To me, saddles are kind of like bows. Like, you know, there's a bunch of really good options. You just need to go try them and see what they're like. And Tether does a teach and train. If you've not been to one of those, and it's not just tethered saddles either. It's like they encourage people to bring theirs. And so there's usually a bunch of stuff there for you to check out, you know, and that's the best thing. Like find a buddy that has one, check it out. But as far as tips go, like to your point, like you need to spend a little time with it. And it's not any different, like, as far as, like, your process of getting up and, and hunting isn't really any different than doing it out of a tree stand. The process is just different. You know, you – like, you if, you if you're a tree stand hunter currently and you're thinking about getting into a saddle and you're looking at it going, like, man, there's all these ropes and all well, this stuff, yeah. it's like – it's not really any different. Like, you still have – a, a lineman's belt yeah. that you're going to use. You still have some type of tether you're going yeah. to use a tree strap. You're going yeah. to use, you're still got some type of harness that you're going to use and you still have to hang your stand, yeah. you know? And so how you get up the tree, you, you can use a lot of the same process. You just need to kind of now figure out like, okay, where do I pack stuff in my pouch? So I yeah. can get it out one thing yeah. at a time. And you do the same thing with a tree stand. Yeah. Cause you're trying to get in as quiet and as smooth as you and possibly can.
2: I, and guys that are strictly climber guys to saddles, the couple of guys I've talked to, their learning curve was a little bit longer mm-hmm. because they're not the used to using aspects, sticks I mean, yeah. and stuff like that to get up. Yeah. But if you use hang-ons, if you've used hang-ons for years, you're pretty much going to be using the same sticks you're using as the hang-on. Yeah. You're going to set your platform pretty much how you set your hang-on. Mm-hmm. You're going to climb in and attach your tether like you would your… Tree strap. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're going to just like lean back. And leaning back, for me, I, I mean, I've, I use the hip… Uh, just a hip belt. I never mm-hmm. used a full-body harness. Yeah. So for years, all I had was a tree hopper, lineman's, which turned into my safety belt. Right. Because it allowed me to lean on and take shots behind the tree and stuff like that. Like. Yep. So if my transition into being comfortable facing tree and treating, shooting, I've shot a lot of deer leaning on my harness, you know, shooting around the tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So, you know, I think just check it out, do it. There's a ton of information online now to, yeah. to, to learn more about everybody, it and stuff like that. Everybody so knows
2: somebody that has a saddle.
1: At this point, yeah. If you don't, then go to a tethered teach and train jammer. And if you can't get to one of those, then good luck. No, I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this fella here, deciphering big buck sign versus small buck sign. That's something we've talked about a lot on this podcast. I big, think
2: big rubs don't necessarily equal. But big tracks do. But Big buck <laughs> sign. But tall rubs, time marks up high mm-hmm. equals a wide buck. Yeah, You can have a tree that's 18 inches around and there's only damage, you know, 20 inches off the ground. Mm-hmm. That could be a small buck <laughs> Yep, who's just really angry. Yep. Now if that same tree has tine marks up to your, you know, nipples, your chest or your your stomach, it's like, okay, that deer's got some width yeah. and or long tines or a combination of both. Yeah.
1: And the other thing is too, is like you were showing me when we were scouting this year together, there was a bunch of tick marks on yep. trees through the timber. Walking through, yep. And it was like, you know, a a small deer is gonna make those tick marks. His yep. rack isn't gonna be hitting yep. all these trees as he's and, walking through. And
2: what Clint's talking about is a uh, deer is going through some brush and there's saplings and you know three four or five even 10 year old growth he gets caught up in all this stuff he's going to start shaking his head left to right and when he does he's going to be hitting trees with his, his tines yeah and there's going to be little tick marks about you know chest high you know as he's coming trying to rip all the stuff off his head mm-hmm. and you find those stuff it's Typically it's a
1: wider wider deer that's yep. doing that's not mm-hmm. some super tight little yep. little buck that's yep. making that, right? So, you know, it's it's and, another good and,
2: and, and big tracks, big tracks equal a big body deer. I mean yeah. you've seen Tony's deer today. Yeah. Thing dressed out at two hundred plus pounds. Yeah. That's a and big it can deer. be I mean you can be
1: fooled by big doe tracks yeah. too, you know what I mean? So it's like you kinda have to take everything, you know And with, look
2: for rounded tracks. Yeah. You know, and tracks will never fail you, you know. A big set, you know, four fingered, you know, you know hand sized print track, that's a big deer. I don't yeah. care what part of country you're in, yeah. that's a big deer.
1: <laughs> yeah, agreed. Yeah. And then trying to think if there's anything else as far as sign goes, you know, big buck sign, like, like scrapes or whatever, those are, you know.
2: That's hard. Yeah. Tall, it, well, tall looking branches. Tall looking branches. That yeah. requires a deer to stand on his hind legs and have a longer set of tines to pull that thing down mm-hmm. and me and Johnny found one this year I mean there's I think I got a picture of it on Instagram I'm holding a stick and I'm touching this licking branch that the stick's you know 20 inches or so mm-hmm. so this thing's probably you know 7, 8 feet tall and John and I we got talking about it we think it's this big 8 or it's a big 10 or big 8 or whatever really tall tines it's his scrape and it's his scrape only he doesn't want anybody else touching that licking branch hmm. so he can stand on his hind legs get it caught in his tines pull it down do whatever he needs to do and let it go hmm. and it, to me it makes sense never really thought about it till we started talking right. about it I'm like this makes total sense like, and then we saw that yep, tall one yep, this year when we were scouting that's a deer I, I would think a deer possibly saying you know this is my area this is my home range This don't <laughs> and, touch my fucking stuff
1: <laughs> and before my camera got stolen I had one deer hit that licking branch stood up on his back and that, Yep, back legs hit it. Yep, and I couldn't. I mean, it was so early in the season. Yeah, and it was foggy that morning, yep. so I couldn't tell whether it had had bone or not at that yep. point.
2: But, but tall, it was a big deer, whatever yeah. it was. Like big tall, deer. tall, high. I don't say tall, but the licking branch that's high, six feet tall. That's to me is going to be a, a possibly a, a taller, older deer yeah. with tines. You gotta yeah. do that. Yep. Yeah. So. All right, man. Well, I think that that's
1: it, dude. We did like the marathon session. This whole QA session took us damn near four hours to do. Oof. You know, in in two different kind of pockets. This will end up being like a marathon, multiple yeah. episode session. I have a have a feeling. Um, but thanks for coming on, brother. Yeah, man. Tell people whenever where they can find out more about the Bow Hunting Fiend, where they can get your content and follow along with what what you got going on.
2: Instagram, YouTube, same. Bow Hunting Fiend. Not much changed.
1: Check out his tube. Give him some love and uh, check out
2: my tube. Whoa! Yeah, Whoa, settle down. We're gonna that, do buddy. that
1: later. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get weird, yeah. we out of here. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And hell, while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there, too. I'd be super appreciative if you'd be able to do those two things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout-out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, and Maven Optics. And until next time, we'll see y'all.